How many are glad that we get to live in the 20th century? <laughs> 21st, I'm sorry, 21st. You can tell when I grew up, it was in the 20th century. <laughs> 21st century. <laughs> oh, man, that was bad. Okay. What, what is it about now that is so much better than the Middle Ages? We could make a long list, couldn't we? Um, what? Hygiene. Hygiene. <laughs> There's a lot of things, isn't there? Um, I want to talk about, uh, and I'm just going to call this new. Because um, God's always doing something new, isn't he? He's innovative. He's creating. He's designing. He's leading. He's going somewhere. Amen? But here's, here's a natural tendency that we can have. And, um, you know, it's back in the Stone Ages when, man, if you wanted to get something from here to there, you pick it up and you carry it because your legs are going to get it there for you. And then somebody came up with this harebrained idea of putting two poles together and actually dragging it on the ground. And man, they had reasons for that not working. Man, it's going to get caught in a pothole. It's going it's it, to, things are going to, it's going to break. It, all your stuff's going to fall on the ground. But what was that? That was progress, wasn't it? <laughs> Anytime there's progress, though, there's resistance to it because you've gotten used to what you feel comfortable with, you're secure with, and what you've proven. And now somebody comes up with a really harebrained idea of trying to make this thing that's like circular that will actually help it to roll rather than drag. Well, isn't that stupid? How are you going to make it spin easily and evenly? All kinds of problems with that. No, let's just carry it. Right? <laughs> and, and then they come up with a motor. Just when you're getting used to horses and making friends with them, and, and it's like, they're so dependable, right? <laughs> and you come up with a, a, a motor that's going to, and it makes a bunch of smoke and a noise. Who wants that? <laughs> and now they're electric. Oh, you're going to get caught in the middle of nowhere and not be able to do anything. Why would we want that? <laughs> it's a natural tendency, though. Anytime we're going to get something new, we're going to have to let go of something that might feel comfortable, something that we've, we've received already. <laughs> and this is, is kind of where I want to go today because I, I feel like one of the biggest dangers of growing up in the church is getting comfortable with carrying your own stuff. And God's wanting to say, let's, man, I, I've got something more. Just because you've got, gotten a wonderful revelation, just because you've gotten something doesn't mean that's all there is. I need, I need, I need you to be open to something that might blow your mind. 
I've got one of those little stickers, you know, on my iPhone <laughs> where, where, the, where the brain's coming up off the top of the guy. You know, it's like he's blowing his mind. <laughs> I think God wants to send us that sticker sometimes and say, please, let me blow your mind and let's go there. But you know what needs to happen is there needs to be a willingness. Boy, this is really going to be good. Let, let's get this because I, I, I see that, that, that God's wanting to move in our midst that's in, in a way that's going to require us letting go of some religious things. Some, well, this is how we've done it. This is the song we've sung. This is the... Even sometimes the way we approach scripture, sometimes God's wanting to say, you know, I, I appreciate that you got something out of that, but let me help you with that a little yeah, bit. Because yeah. we need to get, he needs to take us to something new yeah. that's going to require us being willing to let go yeah. of what we have. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So I'm just calling this new. All right? How, how many like new? I like new cars. Don't you like the smell of a new car? Yeah, I was, I was looking on, and, and there's this guy that's actually, uh, I think he's a quarterback, Hertz from, from Philadelphia. He's actually wanting to, uh, I might need some help with this, uh, David. He, he, he's, he's wanting to uh, make a brand out of this phrase. And I looked at it, he's, he, he didn't come up with it himself. But it, it, it kind of goes to the foundation of what God has for our life. <laughs> it's this phrase, and I don't know if you guys have seen this or not, but it, it, I'm, I'm not wanting to quote him instead of the Bible. We'll get to the Bible here, but <laughs> in fact, I'll go to a scripture that kind of validates this. It says, you had a purpose before anyone had an opinion. Don't you like that? <laughs> what are opinions? Opinions are looking at something and coming up with a decision of what you think about that based upon what you've seen. It's just an opinion. And I like this because <clears throat> purpose comes before perception. And, and there's a lot of things, you know, we, we've been, <laughs> the Old Testament, they were given a law. The New Testament, we've been given the law of love. Uh, but there's a purpose in it that drives it that you can't, you can't let the, the, uh, the perceptions of it, you can't let the opinions about it become the object of it. Yeah. Okay, we'll get into this because a, a lot of times, w even with, with our relationship with God, we can let the what about him be our way to him rather than letting him take us to the what. Everything about the what needs to be coming from him. Yes. Okay? So let's go to Ephesians. We're going to go through a little bit. and then, I, Man, I, we, we need to just practice this again today. Can we do that? I would like for us to just, um, you know, I, I had somebody send me something from uh, one of these. Aren't you, aren't you grateful for, for people's hearts just being opened up across this country right now? And I'm being inspired by it. I'm saying, God, take me with it. You know, help, help, me, to, help me to open up here and, and be in the middle of whatever you're wanting to do. Uh, because this is, the, <laughs> if you can get one person turned on, it becomes an inspiration for other people. Amen? And I don't want to let that pass me by. <clears throat> um, but I was, 
I was, uh, I, was, I was reading one of these, and they said, well, you know, man, there were long lines just to get there. Long traffic was bad. And then there's like two blocks of people just to get there. And then they set things up out on the lawn and, and you know, with jumbotrons or whatever. And she said, and then all of a sudden I felt the presence of God. You know, and I thought, you know what? Somebody was expecting the presence of God. Somebody was going there to, to, to receive of the presence of God. And you know what God does to the hungry soul? He fills them. Amen? And I'm thinking, you know what? The only difference anywhere from that is expectancy. And where the vision is focused. And we can have that right here. And I encourage us. Let's do this. Let's expect. When we come to this place. We're not just coming to warm a seat. The presence of God is here. He will overwhelm. Man, we we can just take a few moments right now. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord God, you're so good. Thank you for your spirit. Hallelujah. 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 And you know what? You can do that as long as you want. (laughs) As long as somebody's not telling you you have to go home now, (laughs) you can keep on. Amen. So, I don't know why I went down that direction, but I would like for that to be what we have when we come here. You know, and then someday there might be a line that we have to get in, you know. But the line's going to come because of what we've already been experiencing. They said that, that, that one of these began with just one person going up and repenting. That was, the place was not full when that happened. You know. <laughs> All it takes is one of us. Let, let it be me, you know. Let me get on fire for God. So, let's go to Ephesians 1, 4 though. Our purpose was long before there was an opinion. So I'm grateful for this guy that's going to, you know, make a brand out of this and everything. But this is out of the scripture. We had a purpose long before there was an establishing of what to do about it. And God looks at things this way. It's about him. It's about how he sees us. And then the other things are flexible to a certain extent. Now, he's established his word that will never change. Everything will be based upon that. But man, we fill in the blanks big time with how that's supposed to look in our life. What we've gotten used to doing, right? How we're supposed to live unto God, you know? What's it supposed to look like outside these walls? And... um, And God wants to have something to say about that. And he starts, he he started already a long time ago. Before the foundations of the world, he established a purpose. So Mr. Hertz, you're going to have to go to God to get your brand. Because he started this a long time ago. Amen. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. So this 
this being right before God and actually living like God is your God is something that, that he established as a purpose without any guidelines for it. It's just a purpose. He just wants us to be right. You know why? Because that's good life. Us living to ourselves, it's a lie. It, it's empty. And you get to the end of that, and you missed out on what God had as a purpose established for you from the beginning of time, right? Let's read this next one. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. When did this happen? Before the foundations of the world. So what God does is he, he has a purpose. And then all the details we get hung up with. And the bigger picture is what he's wanting to go towards. Amen. Let's go to Ephesians 2.10 because this is another one that validates that. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us. A long time ago. <laughs> this is really important. Because always what we're, we're challenged with is, is as human beings, we're performance oriented. Or, oriented that, that we have to do something to get to something. We have to accomplish something in order to deserve it. <laughs> right? And God says, I've already established a purpose for you, I, especially in Christ. I've made it to where you're going to be right with me. Amen? Let's go on here to John 14, 6. There's no other method or way. It's only him. Amen. So, this is kind of challenging because you've got to say, well, <laughs> how does that actually work in my life? But Jesus came into a... a one of the most established religions that's ever been. Judaism. Yeah. It, they were the people of the book. Yeah. Actually, Islam saw them as an inspiration. Yeah. And that's how they came up with their uh, Quran. Because they saw Judaism as the people of the book. And, and they, um, you know, they had the, 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 the five books, the Torah, but I don't know if you're familiar, the Talmud is, is where all the rabbis interpreted the Torah down to the minutest detail of your life, the way you would do this to please God, right? To the point where on Sunday, you could not flip a switch because the, you were serving now the way, all right? So Jesus is coming into this atmosphere, and he has great honor for it, right? He, in fact, he goes, he's, he's 12 years old, and he's at Jerusalem. He's saying, it's, it's about my father's business that I'm about here. He doesn't discount that. He sees it as, as, a, as a fruit of his father's purpose being accomplished, Right? And, and it was. it was. It was as much as you could do without Christ. But he came into this. And he had full understanding of the purpose for the law. Not just the details of it. 
And so when he's standing before these religious people that know all these details, he knows that they have been persuaded that there is a way to God. They're missing out on the purpose of it. They just know that you have to do all these things. And the Messiah is standing right in front of them. And they're missing out on the way. He is the way. Amen. And so God, this is critical for where we're at. Because God's already established a purpose for us. And the way is not going to be through what we do. And, and we can get caught up in this so easily. This, this is what happens. As soon as there's a move of God somewhere, people start defining what it is and debating what it is and deciding whether it's really legitimate or not based upon what they've already experienced. Their way. And it doesn't take very long to do this. And you can start debating it. And you can say, well, this isn't like, you know what? <laughs> it doesn't need to be. As long as it's not against the word of God, God's going to do something completely different. And it doesn't need to fit into our preconceived idea of the way we think things need to be done. Because as soon as we get into the way we think things need to be done, we're slipping away from the purpose that's only found in Christ. Amen? So, John 14, 6, Jesus makes this very clear. It says, there's no other method or way, only him. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. There's no, none of these things that we get used to qualifying ourselves for are, are displacing him or disqualifying something. God's going to do stuff in ways that we don't expect and we might not approve. <laughs> I mean, usually through history, it's been somebody that, that wasn't qualified according to. Um, we just went to, a, you know, the Jesus revolution thing. And, man, you start getting into the, the, the characters involved in this. And you know what? They're not qualified. We wouldn't even... If, we, if you knew about them, you might not even go watch the movie. I, I don't know. But this is how God works. He works with people. He works with Samson. <laughs> you know? <laughs> he works with David. <laughs> he works with Peter. Peter was a numbskull. You know? <laughs> he denied Jesus three times. Didn't he even cuss in there once? Throw in a f bomb or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. No, no, don't don't quote me on that. <laughs> but 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 I mean, he was not our example. He's, he's not. But but what's wonderful about this is we don't need people for examples. I mean, we need to be one ourselves so somebody can see Jesus. But but. He, he is the way. He's, he's the truth. And he will take a Peter that submits completely yeah. 
to him and not away. And he will cause them to walk in places they would never have gone otherwise. You will be able to follow him when you're not just stuck on the ways. Religion wants to, to put us into, you have to serve these ways or you're not worthy. Jesus says, just come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden. What do we get weary and heavy laden of? All these ways that we can't fulfill. I'll tell you what, there's so much freedom in him. That when we, when we can just come and we can say, I'm here for you. Now, I'm going to do everything you say to do. But it's not to get to you. It's because I know you. And you give me the way to go. And I love going the way you tell me to go. Amen? So, if we're actually going to follow the movements of God, it's going to be Jesus that we're following. And not just a method or a way. And you can't just emulate somebody else. God has designed for each one of us to be completely unique. God will... God will demonstrate a gift of the Spirit through you in a way that looks nothing like somebody else. If you're not trying to emulate a way. All right. Um, One of the greatest dangers of growing up in the Word is becoming old and inflexible with regard to the new things God is doing. And um, I actually had this in mind before we uh, before we saw that movie but the movie is kind of goes along with this uh, and age really doesn't have to define this because I'll, I'll tell you right now I'm, I'm pretty serious about <laughs> letting go of some things myself you know I, I want to I want to say God be do something new in me. Yeah. Um, I don't want to get caught up in religion. And I've grown up, you know. I I've, I grew 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 up uh, grew, grow. I I grew up Pentecostal, you know. And 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 it's like I don't want to. I don't want to just let the ways keep me from going the way that I need to go. Right. So it's like a mark. 2.18. This is what this is our reading, I think, on, on Friday. Um, and he speaks to this. Once when John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. So what is fasting? It's a way, isn't it? It's not a bad way, but it can become your way can be what you're doing right and in this case and, and what's what's interesting about this that, that we'll see is sometimes there's a way that is appropriate and then sometimes it, it might you don't just do it that way all the time now you don't watch jesus putting some mud on a guy's eye and say well i guess that's how we do it all the time now we're gonna have a this is the mud church <laughs> we just <laughs> yeah, we slap mud on everybody right I mean, that sounds extreme, but we do the same thing in other ways, right? (laughs) So what what was was the deal with John's disciples 
Well, John was being persecuted, wasn't he? I saw a commentary. They said that he was probably in jail at this point. And so they were grieving. It was a time for them of fasting because they were serious about prayer. And so this is, this is some of the people that are asking him this. And, and the Pharisees, of course the Pharisees, you know, you just fast all the time because you want to see people, people to see you. I mean, you're, you're godly. I mean, so you're going to fast and you're going to look like it. You're going to really look down in, in the dumps. Yeah. And some people came to Jesus and asked, why don't you, your disciples fast like John's disciples and the Pharisees do? Why don't you do what we're doing? And Jesus replied, do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while the groom is with them. He said, you are going through something that is appropriate for you to fast right now. But I'm the Messiah and my disciples are celebrating my presence right now. And so that way isn't appropriate right now. Okay? But someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Okay, and then he gets into an explanation of this that, that is very helpful here. Do wedding gifts, uh, let's see, go down to verse 20. All right. Someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Besides, who would patch old clothing with new? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth leaving an even bigger tear than before. Have you ever wondered why he was making a connection there? It's like, it doesn't seem like a segue. It kind of seems, you know, it's like he changed subjects right in the middle of his sentence there. <laughs> but what he's doing is he's talking to somebody that's caught up in what you have to do all the time instead of whether it's the right way at this moment. And he said, are you going to take a... a what, what you're used to doing in another situation, what you've gotten comfortable with forever, and you try to fix it with something that's new. He said, I'm new. I don't just fit into the old. And if you try to apply me to something that's old, it's just going to tear and it's going to make it worse. The building block that God created to be the cornerstone will become a stumbling block for those who are stuck in the old ways if they're not going to be ready for something new. <laughs> Jesus is saying, I I'm new here, and you can't fix something old with me. You're going to have to get some new. <laughs> okay. And then he talks about these wineskins, and he says that no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the wine would burst the wineskins, and the wine and the skins would both be lost. New wine calls for what? New wineskins. So what happens with that wine inside of there? It begins to expand. Man, we're going to make a correlation because the life of God is an expanding. It, the anointing is expanding. The anointing is, is pushing off barriers. It's pushing off the old stuff. Old stuff can't remain where there is the expansion of the life of God. Amen? So, so there's going to have to be more than just a religious tradition that we're familiar with, that we're comfortable with. Yeah. 
There's going to be, have to be an oil uh, of anointing. There has to be Jesus that by his spirit is causing us to become supple and new continually. You know what? What we have in him needs to be brand new every morning. Aren't you grateful for his mercies that are new every morning? Why are his mercies new every morning? Because we need to be made new every morning. We need to lose the old every morning. We need to be restored every morning yes. to a newness that's only in him. Amen. Amen? Amen? So there's this newness that's required for his purpose to be accomplished. What they're seeing, all they're seeing is the do's and the don'ts. And so in this whole chapter, I just wanted to list a few of these. Um, <clears throat> because remember, he, he, he goes up to, and the, and the presence of the Lord was, was there to heal. And this man, uh, they let him down through the, the ceiling. Remember, they took the roof off and they lowered him down so that he could be healed. And what did Jesus make a big boo-boo? What did he do? He didn't just heal the guy. Wouldn't he? He could have just healed it and avoided a bunch of problems. But what did he do? He said, your sins are forgiven. Huh. See, the problem with religion is it doesn't allow any variance from what you've said, what you've established in one set of circumstances. <laughs> if you're not the Messiah, you don't go around... Forgiving sins. But Jesus is the Messiah. That's what he said. He said, I'm the Messiah here. Yeah. And to prove to you that I'm the Messiah, I'm going to heal this guy. Yeah. Most of the time when Jesus was healing, a lot of it was for validation of who he was. Right, right. So that you would believe in him and not just a way. Yeah. All the time, he was up against the way. He was up against religion. And he was having to forge something brand new. Brand new, right? What did he do later on there in the same chapter? He ate with sinners. He, and publicans. He was hanging out with bad people. And what was his answer? Healthy don't need a doctor. He came for those who know they're sinners, not those who think they're righteous. Don't you like that? So he had a bigger purpose that was driving his way that wasn't going to be inhibited by what somebody's opinion was. His purpose came long before their opinion. And it was driving everything he did. He never sinned. They were calling him a sinner, weren't they? He didn't sin because his perspective was driven by something that was above what they were seeing. Okay? He was questioned about fasting. He said, don't fast while the groom is with. And then they talked about the Sabbath. The Sabbath, the Sabbath. Remember he got in trouble all the time for doing something on the Sabbath? It's because of all those details. You're not supposed to, you, you can't, that's not the way you do things. You're wrong if you do it that way. And he gave such a, a great thing that goes along with why we have to see that what we're doing has to be driven by our purpose, not by a religious do or a don't. Yeah. The Sabbath is for the people, not the people for the Sabbath. Isn't that cool? 
He didn't say just me. He said, so everything about what we're doing is to serve a purpose. We're not to serve the doing. You follow that? So much of the time we feel like we have to do something. And really, whatever we're doing should be serving our purpose. We're getting it backwards. All the ways were to serve the master's purpose, not to become the slave master. (laughs) Oh, if we could get, can you see this? I think it's really amazing. So we should be able to take on something new if it's serving the purpose. We could we can adjust, we can make differences, we can we can look different, we can sound different, we can and I'm not saying what that is, but we need to be open to it. If God's wanting to move in a different way, hey, I'm gonna be there ready to do it. Amen. Because my purpose is is Jesus. My purpose is to lift up Jesus, to magnify Jesus. And I'm not going to let anything that I've gotten used to doing become an inhibitor of that. What's bigger than what I've been doing is my purpose that I've been given before the foundations of the earth. Okay. All right. Just a little bit more here. Mark 2, 27. Then Jesus said, said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. This is when his, his disciples were out uh, picking corn on the Sabbath. Oh, you can't do that. And that wasn't actually even in the law. It was something that was after, they just interpreted it that way, right? Um, let's go on though. Uh, God's way will serve his purpose in bringing deliverance and not bondage. So, so God, uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot about this even in the old Testament, but, uh, I wanted to look at Isaiah 43, 19. Um, it says, for I'm going to do a brand new thing. God's up to something new. You know, we sing that song, God's up to something. He's up to something. He's always up to something. And he's, you know how he does things? Through us. And he needs vessels that are, aren't old. That won't be able to contain what he's doing. They're needing, he's needing vessels that are, are being renewed in him continually. Don't you see it? I will make a road through the wilderness of the world for my people to go home. There's a purpose. He's going to make this thing. It's a new thing that he's going to do that he's going to take us to. And create rivers for them in the desert. God's up to something new. All right? Let's go to Isaiah 10, 27. How to be compatible with, how, compatible with God's doing and allow his life to break off the old yoke in ways. So how are we going to do this? We've, we've emphasized how we need to do this, right? How many, are, how many know the Lord? You made Jesus your Lord. You're saying, oh, this sounds good. This, I, I'm already doing this to some extent, but how can we be open to doing this more? And, and, uh, and it really, it's the purpose of why we come together. How can we keep being renewed? How can we keep this fresh? You know what? Knowing Jesus can get old. <laughs> and it shall be in that day that the burden of the Assyrian shall depart from your shoulders and his yoke from your neck. 
The yoke shall be destroyed because of fatness, which prevents it from going around your neck. Okay, I got the amplified version because the other ones call this an anointing. But if you go into the meaning of this word anointing, it actually, it, it, it talks about fatness. And you take an animal and you put a yoke around them and they start to get fat, the yoke will break and it won't be able to hang on them anymore. They won't be able, that load won't be able to be carried anymore because of the fatness. And how, how do we, how do we become new? How do we break off of these ways that would inhibit our progress in bringing, bringing our people through the wilderness and, and, the and the streams and the desert, the things that God's purpose is for our life. It's the life of God in us that is allowed to get fat. That's why the enemy wants to, he wants to keep us from, from growing in, in the Lord, growing in the, that anointing. What, we come together. What, what do we experience together? It's, it's an anointing. It's the fatness of God. But it's not something that we just get here. It's something we can take home. We can, we can experience it continually because it's a spiritual thing. It's not just a mental thing. We're not going to figure this out in our minds. It's going to be a spiritual thing that we get. And, and that's why Jesus said, I have to go so that the comforter could come. The, 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 the advocate can come. And he, he can allow the fatness of God to grow inside of you until you're continually being freed from any of the old wineskins, any of the old cloth that would keep you from taking on Christ. And the new things that God's wanting to do, it requires this work of the Spirit. Okay. All right, I've got one more here. This is good, though. Because if we're going to have what God wants, we're going to have to be loosed from these things that we've gotten used to. We probably need to make a list of them so that you can say, what in the world is he talking about? But there's stuff in us. If we've been, been serving the Lord at all, if we've been in a church at all, that's why a lot of people don't like to go to church because of ways. And there's some things that we will do that, that you know, we're just doing what we know to do. But I want to say, God, let's don't just do things because we're, we're used to doing things. We're going to follow your spirit. We're going we're gonna to allow there to be a, a freedom from anything that, that, that would keep us from, you know, we talked about our vision in, in Liberty Hill. What, what does God want to do in Liberty Hill? It's, it's going to require freshness. It's going to require a, a new spirit. Say, God, what do you want to do? It's going to have to be different, you know? All right. Romans 8, 11. The spirit within causes who we are on the outside to comply with and serve his purpose. So this is why we need to be being filled with the Spirit because with the Spirit is where that anointing is. And, and if you walk in the Spirit, you don't, you're not confined to the, to the yokes of the flesh. It's not just about being holy for holiness' sake. 
It's being holy to be a vessel that won't break with, the, with what God wants to do. Amen? All right. Romans 8, 11. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. So if we've received Jesus as our Savior, His Spirit lives inside of us, right? But you know what? It's not enough for Him to just live there. He wants to get fat there. <laughs> and just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. So what is, the, what is the mortal body? That's the outside part. That's what we are actually doing. That's, that's the things that God wants to use for his glory and not for us to be uh, bound by them because of, of our flesh. He said, the spirit is in you and that same spirit is the same spirit that raised Christ from the grave and he wants to quicken your body. He wants to quicken everything about you. What does that mean? That means make it new. Make it fresh. Make it to be a container of the glory of God. It's not going to leak. It's not going to break. It's not going to tear. Oh, we need to be. We need to be compatible with this amazing Savior that's ours. Amen? And I'm so grateful for the work of, of new birth, but he said there's a need for a work of the Spirit. Amen? Yeah. To purify us, to make us holy, to make us, to make us a vessel that he can use. Right? And the new things God wants to do, the new, oh, it has a purpose that's, that's before the foundations of the world. And it's going to be driven by that purpose and not some form and not some method. We get to be a part of it. Amen?